you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fantasy freaks and geeks, what's going on? You're listening to the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. James Coe here with you. Oh, my goodness, what a great show we got in front of us. I'm excited, man. It is Draft Fallout Part 1. Joined alongside by the whiz kid from Wisconsin, Alex Gelhar. What's cracking, man? Oh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, the draft finally being in the books is yes. just the best news because now it's we, huge. we have, like, 98% of all the information we need That's to right. start really, like, planning and forecasting and, yeah. you know, projecting for the upcoming fantasy season. Yeah. A few free agent signings notwithstanding. Yeah. Now we can finally go. I love it. I absolutely love it. MG, my guy, Marcus Grant. Didn't know if you were going to make it in <laughs> this morning. <laughs> Celebrating a birthday. Thank you. Yesterday. Yeah. Happy yesterday. birthday, pal. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I kept it low key. Okay. Uh, I, I went bowling. I saw I saw the, the, the old IG. Yeah, man. Went bowling. Uh Threw a turkey in the 10th frame. That's amazing. That's pretty good way to finish the day. Hell yeah. You know? So. Happy birthday, pal. By the way, did you see the comment I put on that photo this morning? I did. What was it? Cause, well, because the, the bowling thing, you know how it frequently cuts off your name if it's longer? Yeah. So his, it just shows Marka. Right. And I was like, that should be your European soccer star alter yeah. ego. Yeah, it's right. just the one name on the back of the jersey. Marka. Marka. That's a great European soccer name. Right? Yep. That's what I thought. It is. Yep. It is. That's wonderful. Producer Christina, behind the glass. What's going on? How you doing? What's up? I'm good. How are you? Uh, we're good. We're good, man. We got a great show. Like I said, we're going to be breaking down uh, pretty much the entire draft. Look, again, sometimes we do, you know, we, sometimes we do interviews on this thing. Sometimes we do, you know, headline. I mean, there's just so much to get into with the draft and where everyone landed and, and all the new, the brand new depth charts. We're so doing just draft today. Are we going to do a, a 2020 mock draft? Too. You shut your mouth. I saw one of those floating around on the interwebs <laughs> a couple days ago. 2019s are bad enough. That's, I saw a 2020. I wanted to jump off a building. I know. That's just why. <laughs> I mean, but I just, I, I, I just wonder why. Like, why, why do we? Do people, do people care about that? The 2020. Uh, I do not. I mean, I could. I mean, not I that I not. could see 29. I mean, I don't understand 29. I would never click on that. But I just, but 20, 
twenty twenty draft. Like, right. I don't. I have no interest in dra- clicking right. on that. None. You're talking about guys who are freshmen, freshmen in college. Right. <laughs> do not care. Makes no sense. All right, fire up that sounder and let's get into the news. We really do have breaking news. Hey, did you guys know that the Eagles, the Patriots, are playing in the Super Bowl? That is breaking news. Breaking news. News. All right, here we go. Like I said, all the news surrounding the draft. Let's talk about the very, very top of the draft, shall we? Saquon Barkley goes to the New York football Giants. I know a lot of a lot of a lot, a lot of chatter on the interwebs about whether or not this was a good value pick or whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay, fine. Bottom line is he's in New York. Uh, New York has done a, a a pretty good job this offseason, I think, in revamping their offensive line. They signed Nate Solder away from New England. Then they addressed offensive line again in the uh, in the draft, early part of that draft. Saquon Barkley going to be paired up. Uh, with some pretty good wide receivers out there, and Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard, and uh, who knows, to be determined, maybe another veteran wide receiver as well. Oh, by the way, Evan Ingram, an explosive tight end there. Okay, so Eli Manning's going to be the quarterback. You know, whatever you think about Eli Manning, I mean, you hope he could at least be a a pretty decent game manager uh, here in 2018. Regardless, Saquon Barkley, a lot of folks get very, very excited about him in the fantasy community. Is he, right now, as we stand today, a top 10 pick in the fantasy draft? Marcus Grant, what say you? I right now have him at number 10. That's where I've got him. Um, you know, I've got him like just behind Alvin Kamara. You know, you can flip a coin and go one or the other there, but I do. I have him right there just because the opportunity is going to be there. I mean, we've, we've talked before about Guaranteed how workload, no? The Giants have been looking for a running back for how many years now? <laughs> I mean, like, since, right. since what, Tiki Barber left, I That's guess? Right. They've been trying to find a running back to replace him. Um, well, they had the the Brandon Jacobs. Oh, Brandon Jacobs. Ahmad Bradshaw tandem, but never they haven't had a guy like this. They haven't had a guy like this in a while. In a um, long time. So he's going to get all the opportunity. Uh, you know, so it's, you know, I know that, you know, like our, our pal J.J. Zacharyson, who has been kind of railing against the draft value of running backs in real football. In real football. Um, in fantasy, Saquon is a top t- – he may not have been you know a value pick for the Giants in the real draft. He's going to be a top ten pick in fantasy drafts. I agree. I have him ranked uh, eighth overall as I'm updating my top 200. I think I got him uh, there too. Ahead of Alvin Kamara, actually, just because he's – Saquon's not going to have to compete with anybody for touches. No one. And uh, he's, he should have decent scoring upside. I'm still like uh, – I saw Josh Norris was tweeting about this because I think an interesting question is if we're so high on Saquon and Odell and even to a certain extent Evan Ingram, how should we value Eli Manning, uh, right. Josh Norris from Motorworld? But I still don't think that we should bump Eli Manning up that much because just two years ago, Odell was the number four overall scorer or wide receiver. I forget which what it was. Yeah. Eli wasn't even a top 20 quarterback. So just the fact that he has all these playmakers around doing stuff does not, you know, inversely mean he's going to have bountiful amounts of fantasy points as well. Nevertheless, Saquon, an excellent pass catcher out of the backfield. He should get all of the touches, the vast majority of the scoring opportunities. Even if he doesn't get it in the end zone double-digit times, it's going to be an upset if he doesn't get like 1,400 total yards. Can I throw this out there as well? I- I'm I'm actually curious as to see how this might impact Odell Beckham. Uh, mostly because, again, uh, say what you want about Ben McAdoo. I, you know, obviously he wasn't a very good head coach, uh, not a great 
Um, didn't do very well in terms of varying his play calls. Okay, that's fine. Or his hairstyles. <laughs> <laughs> but what we knew was that Odell Beckham was going to get pounded with targets, and we knew that he was going to get his requisite looks. The way that they've Gettleman and company have kind of transformed this team, it, it almost feels like the Jaguars north. Am I wrong in saying that? It seems like it seems as if they want to be able to run that ball and run that ball quite a bit. I mean, they really, really invested in that offensive line. Soldier's getting a, a monster deal. Saquon is a top two pick, despite everyone saying, why didn't you trade out of that pick? Why didn't you trade out of that pick? But it, it seems as if Gettleman and company really want to uh, solidify the ground game. If that's the case, and what we've said about Eli Manning as well, are the wheels starting to fall off of Eli Manning? Does Started Odell? To? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but does Odell back? I'm a little bit worried. There's some red flags. And he's coming off of a major injury. I think there's some uh, legitimate reasons to be concerned about the value I, for Odell Beckham. I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm I'm full speed ahead. Okay. Yeah, I'm, not I'm concerned. I'm, okay. He's going to be fine. All right. He's one of the most elite after-the-catch receivers, so even if he's not getting targeted deep as much, we've seen him Crazy time him. and time and time again take slants and outs and other things to the, to the house. house. And if you even if you go back, he's had his targets had increased in each of his first three years prior to that injury. He went yeah. from one thirty to one fifty eight to one sixty nine. Even in the year where he only played four game or you know he played twelve games and had one hundred thirty targets, still managed ninety one catches, thirteen hundred yards, and twelve touchdowns. So I think, and also granted that's four years ago. That's like three different versions of Eli Manning. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's deteriorating. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think Odell should still be fine. He, sh- okay. he should get his. It's. Something we're going to have to monitor, at least for the value of guys of the ancillary guys like Sterling Shepard and to a certain extent Evan Ingram, is yeah. just how well Eli is moving that offense early because there's not really an option behind him. Now, I would say if there's a concern, yeah, it's that you've got an offensive coordinator in Mike Shula, yeah, who you know has not been the most creative guy, uh, who has been the the you know has taken a lot of criticism for what he did. I mean, sure. think, of, think about last year when everybody was hyped up, myself included, on Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel going oh, to yeah. Carolina. And, you know, and by the end of the year, Christian McCaffrey was fine. His numbers were okay. Curtis Samuel was really a non-factor. But a lot of it is just that Mike Shula never quite figured out how to integrate their talents into that offense. So if there's a, if there's a worry for me, yeah. it's, it's right there. I hope – and I think most of the fantasy community, as a matter of fact, I think Giants fans hope that Pat Shermer takes a, uh, I mean, two hands on the wheel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, Shula might just be there to, to, to advise, hopefully. But hopefully it's Pat Shermer who is the guy uh, that will be constructing and orchestrating. The one other the thing I want to add um, to your Jaguars North comparison is that the Giants do not have anywhere close to the defense the Jags have. Yeah, yeah. I, Giants, I just meant their offensive personality. Right, but the but part of what made the Jags the Jags was that they limited uh, opposing possessions. They limited you know uh, time on the field and plays overall. Whereas the Giants aren't going to have that luxury. So, and and the inverse side, like it could really help out. Beckham and Barkley and stuff if the Giants are having to constantly keep moving the ball or try to to score points. Uh, it's a, it's a, What you just said is a big reason why I, I'm I'm thinking that the Giants, I, well, I've got a, a beer wager with uh, our friend Matt Harmon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, that the New York football Giants will be a top 15 defense, uh, not in fantasy per se, but uh, in real life in terms of yards and, and, and uh, points allowed. So, that's just yeah, I was, my. Th- I was with Harmon on this. one. I know I, you were. I know you were. But no, that's just my thought. I think they actually have decent players on the defensive side of the ball. 
Um, and if they slow it down a little bit and just become more, a little bit more balanced, a little bit more run focused, let lot less three and outs on eleven personnel, <laughs> then maybe, just maybe, uh, those two hands can wash each other just a little bit. All right, let's get to the quarterbacks. We'll get to the rest of the uh, first and second round running backs as well. Uh, but let's get to the quarterbacks here. Baker Mayfield goes to Cleveland. It's kind of a last second. I don't want to say it was a surprise because the news had leaked, you know, a full 24, maybe, you know, even, you know, 48 hours ahead of time. Yeah, there was still, I mean, having been in the building when they announced the pick, there was still quite a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, because yeah. we had been dealing with rumor and innuendo for weeks leading up to that. It was like, it was funny, too, because it was, okay, it's going to be Darnold. It's going to be Darnold. No, 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 no. It's going to be Josh Allen. It's going to be Josh Allen. No, Okay, now we're back to Darnold. No, no, it's going to be Darnold, guys. It's going to be Darnold. Darnold's going up. And then literally 48 hours, uh, actually, it's Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. But even then, I think people were kind of like, look, until Roger Goodell actually he says, says the, the name. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly, that's right. Uh, Baker Mayfield goes to Cleveland. Uh, the, the New York J- Jets, uh, I think, got great value in getting Sam Darnold, who, uh, in my estimation, probably should have gone number one overall. He's, a, to me, a Jameis Winston-type player, and uh, Jameis Winston, pretty good. Uh, Josh Allen goes to Buffalo. I I think it's just a horrendous pick. Josh Rosen goes to Arizona. I think they got uh, – they traded up to get him. I thought that was good value. Uh, and then talk about great value. Lamar Jackson to Baltimore. Uh, at 32. The en- at the end of the first round. I, I just – it's brilliant. Uh, what, what Baltimore did there was was just absolutely a, a masterstroke in the last draft for Ozzie Newsom. So uh, sets them up nice. Do okay. you believe Lamar Jackson will be a starter before the end of the year? Because I do. I think he'll oh, start yeah. before the end of the you know, I saw, oh, yeah. I saw something on Twitter, which is, um, and I couldn't disagree with this, that <laughs> Lamar Jackson has more job security than Joe Flacco. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> I mean, part of it is that Flacco's contract is so big. So, I mean, they're they're sort of tethered to him for another year or so. Um, but that big contract. I don't mean they have to start him if he's averaging 4.3 yards per attempt like, or whatever he was to that start the season his, last his year. His declining production makes it hard to keep him, to justify keeping him in that job. I, you know, the thing with Joe Flacco, and I was talking about um, about Joe Flacco with a buddy of mine, but, uh, you know, oh, Joe Flacco, he's done, he's washed, you know. To me, it's, it's I think the jury's still out, to me anyways, because, my God, the last two years, the receivers and the injuries – that Baltimore has had to deal with. I mean, they had a sudden retirement on the offensive line. They got another guy, uh, Marshall Yanda, who suffered a season-ending injury. Uh, it's just the offensive line was a, a patchwork offensive line. The run game was non-existent. Their wide receivers were just trash. They had been missing on a lot of picks, too. Yes. Rashad they missed Perriman, a lot. No, no injured doubt. and, you know, never really materialized. But they, they totally, re- I think, to the point you're making, they reshaped that offense this year. Uh, that, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested, at least, to see what Joe Flacco, he's 33 years old, and uh, look, his better days are behind him. I'm not saying that. I'm just – I don't think he's as bad as everyone is making him out to be just right now. Just the, tr- the trouble is, like, that the back injury that he had is yeah, – he was right. never a, an extremely mobile guy to begin <laughs> no. with. And then you add a bad back, which yeah. also impacts his, his throwing strength. Uh, sure. It impacts his throwing strength, his mobility. Like, I just think that those things, and as, as your age racks up in yeah. the years and wear and tear of the NFL, yeah. something like that is going to get magnified a lot more than, like, yeah, I, don't, right. I don't know, a, a knee or something that you're you right. could that, that gets reconstructed a little more easily than a back. Uh, we talk about the uh, the contract situation for Joe Flacco. 
though. Just uh, just looked it up here. Uh, 2018 dead cap, 28.75 million. So obviously he's going to be on for 2018. 2019 that drops down to 16 million dead cap, which is still uh, probably going to hold on to him there. 2020 is when the dead cap gets down to uh, 8 million. So I would imagine 2019 will be a make-or-break year for Joe Flacco, and most likely just if I, if Lamar Jackson develops the way we think he will, Joe Flacco probably uh, looking at 2019. As I just think I think Lamar Jackson gets some starts at some point this year, either because Flacco gets gets banged up because those injuries have mounted, or just call. he's not moving the ball well enough, and they they turn to in like much like a. Tom Savage to Sean Watson kind of way where like the offense is not moving. They've got a team that that should be good on paper and like contend for the AFC for the AFC postseason. Sure, they maybe swap out Joe. Like, hey, you've thrown a couple interceptions. Let's let the kid get some run. Spark ignites, and it's one of those things. It's the genie in the bottle thing. Yeah, uh, Harmon loves that phrase. You can't put him back in. I get you. Once you put Lamar Jackson in, and he rips off some big plays and hits a deep pass, and you're like, kid's good. I'm I'm waiting for the collective freakout for when Lamar Jackson lines up. As wide receiver, <laughs> then comes in under center. Joe Flacco moves out. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that. Uh, I'm waiting for that. As for the other quarterback picks, I think uh, as you mentioned, a lot of those guys fell into great spots. Darnold being in uh, New York with Josh McCown, they don't have to rush Darnold out. Right. McCown, like, and this isn't that cliche that throw was like, oh, we can learn from a veteran, like. McCown, for almost his entire career, was a backup. Well, has been a backup, but has had the type of. Uh, story or an aura around him that he's been a great friend, teammate, and leader. Like oh, really? some of those quarterbacks are like, I don't want to deal with you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Famously, when Rodgers got picked, Favre, right, was, Favre like, was like, Nah, like, we're good, him. we're good, bro. Uh, they, they had a very rough relationship to start, <laughs> but McCown has always been a good mentor. So yeah. like, Darnold probably will also start before the end of the year because yeah, McCown for is sure. forty, coming off bad injuries, yeah, and yeah. for just for as old as he is, he plays pretty recklessly still. Yeah, uh, but that's a great <laughs> landing spot for him to get in there and learn. Rosen in Arizona is awesome. Uh, I mean, Sam Bradford will probably be the starter, but his knees, man. Like, I mean, he just disappeared for, what, yeah. 10 games last right. year That's because exactly his right. knee wasn't healthy. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And if Rosen gets to come in and start with uh, a Hall of Famer, Larry Fitzgerald, to, to throw to, that's not too shabby. But you're right. Allen to Buffalo, like. <sighs> I, that that makes zero sense because you, you, you have no wide receivers. Really. Not, I mean, well, Kelvin Benjamin. You don't really have a lot of wide receivers there, and and so to make up for it, you take you take a quarterback whose biggest weakness is his accuracy. accuracy. Yeah. So I catch I, he, the one thing I would d- defend in the pick is that you know Kelvin Benjamin, big target. Uh, um, you know you're gonna throw a lot of post up throws to him. Uh, Charles Clay is there as well, another big body guy that you, you would think his catch radius is is a little larger than your average receiver. So um, you know maybe surround him with big bodies and just throw a couple. My you know? counterpoint, this was the same logic they used in Carolina to draft Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches <laughs> right. because Cam Newton missed Can't, high. Yeah, that's yeah, he's a much guy. better quarterback than uh, Allen, K- even coming out, too. Uh, my concern in general, just bigger picture, is yeah. the Buffalo offense worries the bejesus out of me for oh, fantasy. It's going to be awful. It's one of those ones where, I mean, LaShawn McCoy is the heart, soul, engine, wheels, chassis, everything I might offense. stay away from him I'm, this year. I want no piece of shady. Like I, Zero. I, this year, I think I'm okay with taking Shady like back in round one, early round two, because he oh, is no going way. to be the workhorse. He oh, is, but, no. man, he's going to face 13 men in the hell box no. every time he lines up. Richie Incognito retired. Uh, they have no weapons on the outside. They could stack all you know, day here's, long. Here's the caveat. I say this now. But if I'm sitting around there, like, you know, early part of round two, you know, mid part of round two, and he's still like, 
I will be tempted. I know I will. No, I know I will. The thing is, he he offers you a floor still on the on the volume. Okay. With the upside, if he pops into the end zone, great. Uh, and that's something that w- with so many teams splitting backfields and stuff, you can't really discredit. And even yeah. if, I mean, I love Shady. Yeah, he's had an right. amazing career. He's o- he's gonna be over thirty though. He's got like fourteen thousand touches on his uh, on his body already. Oh, Shady McCoy and I share the same birthday. Oh, nice oh, that. birthday buddies. Uh, but yeah, no, he's gonna. But be he's 30 basically the only one I want. Are. But like, imagine if he gets gets hurt or something. What happens to this offense then? Chris Ivory's the top backup, but like. It's one of this offense rain and the Colts right now are this type of offense. That's worrying me a lot too. They have, and we'll get to it next week when we dive in because their running backs all came later, but we still don't know what's happening with Andrew Luck. That's right. Their wide receivers behind T Y Hilton are a bunch of question marks. Oh boy. Uh, They grabbed Eric Ebron to ruin Jack Doyle. And like their backfield is just a big shrug emoji right now. Like somebody could emerge, but there is no clear front runner. Nope. Their top three backs are three day three picks over the last two years. And then they, Mack, have, they have Kristen Michael. Is, I think Marlon Mack just had surgery today. Did he really? That's right. Oh, my Marlon God. Marlon Mack underwent surgery on shoulder. Wow. So there. That's there great. you go. Now, like even more, even more reason cause for concern. What? It's like, what? What? Really? That's unbelievable, man. Um, yeah, no. Look, man. The reason I'm 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 off of of Shady McCoy is uh, he has not been. Uh, I think he's been relatively durable, but as we mentioned, hitting age thirty now, um, and he's going to be one of those guys that just is. I'm just worried about him, man. I think this. I think he'll still be good this year. Okay, but like dynasty and stuff like that, or keeper leagues. It's that you know. Ride Shady McCoy while you got him for now, and then and don't be go. banking on too much in the future just there because the workload he could have. I mean, they're AJ McCarron or Nathan Peterman or Josh Allen under oh. center. Like, oh the boy. workload that's going to fall on his shoulders is intense. Uh, yeah, 287 rush attempts last year, which is a ton, uh, and 77 targets in the passing game, resulting in 59 catches. That's. Man, that's tough to walk away from. Mm-hmm. In a PPR league, 59 receptions out of your running back? Yep. That's I mean last year you know their away. offense wasn't great and he was in standard the RB7 and in PPR he was the RB7. All right. All right. So it's it's not you, it's you not guys sexy. might be swinging me around. <laughs> it's not sexy. <laughs> but uh you know he's he's still an amazing talent and he's going to get the workload. It's right. it's tough to turn away from opportunities everything. Fair enough. Um it's a it's a fantasy podcast. We talk about these quarterbacks. Look, none of these quarterbacks I don't believe uh, will be fantasy relevant. Even Lamar Jackson, even if he were to get, you know, five, six games late in the year, I, I still don't think he'd be one of those fantasy relevant. Although the rushing potential obviously is is, is interesting. Regardless. Uh, I was going to say real quick before we get off that, while we're probably not taking any of them in redraft right now, right. obviously, how would you rank them for dynasty appeal? Oh, Lamar like Jackson one to, one, one to five. You'd put Jackson one. Well, you, I mean, you have to because the, the rushing ability. I mean, that's, again, unless we go to the 6-4 system, which I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. So okay, so no, that me, rushing your, that rushing ability still trumps everything. It give, does. Give me your one. Give me your it one does. to five. Then go go through of, of the main five because uh, Rudolph, Loletta, what's his name, Falk or whatever. Yeah, Let's get yeah, them out of the yeah, conversation exactly. for right now. We'll just stick to the big names. It, to me, it's going to be Jackson, Darnold, uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, Rosen, and then Allen way down there. Interesting, Marcus. Yeah, that that's about right for me too. I mean, we're talking dynasty, so yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I think Josh Rosen right now is the most complete, ready to play. But I think. He's over, got no weapons though. over the long haul. He's got no weapons over the long haul. I, I, you know, he, hey, he, hey, they they got Bryce Butler. 
I mean, because like what? <laughs> this is this is this is the last go around for Larry Fitz. That's probably. what I'm saying. Um, That's what I'm saying. You know, uh, I mean, unless Larry Fitz is like, man, this kid this might take play. us there next no, year. I want to come back. No way. Absolutely not. I, I mean, I love Rosen as a player, but just in terms of the weapons surrounding him there in the desert, no. I, I want no I mean and I like David Johnson too, but I mean their offensive line is still messed up and God they got no tight ends. I uh, just I mean, unless you believe in the what, what's his, what's that kid's name? Ricky something. Ricky Seals Ricky Jones. Seals Jones. Ricky Seals. They got your main Gresham. He was a former first round pick. Oh boy. But that's how I would uh, lay it out. Um and I like Darnold a lot and I think he can lift the um the receiver tide a little bit. Uh, again, are there any receivers on those teams, though, that might benefit, or, uh, in, and not just even a little bit, but I'm saying a, will any of these receivers see a big uptick uh, in production with some of these rookie quarterbacks? Uh, probably going to be getting starts here. Uh, anyone? Anyone? Uh, anyone? Uptick? I don't know. I don't I mean, how about so. Larry Fitz? How about Larry Fitz? I mean, Larry Fitz was still fine last year. Even, That's true. You know, he's, he's got Bradford. Bradford knows how to get it to his guys. I mean, as long as Bradford's healthy, Bradford's a very capable quarterback. And like, honestly, if his knees are okay, I wouldn't be opposed to sniffing around Brad Bradford as like a late, late round QB two option or something in deeper leagues. I mean, I guess I'd look at. I would probably look at the Browns receivers. Yeah. With Baker there. Okay. I mean, after last year with with the, you know the kind of the quarterback roulette wheel they went through with Deshaun Kaiser yeah, yeah. And, and some of those what, Cody Kessler, some of those other guys there. Kevin Hogan. Kevin Hogan. Um, Holy hell! You know, having having a guy in Baker who presumably you know is is slated to start. Well, I guess no. Tyrod is our Tyrod. Tyrod is a starter. Is our starter. Yeah, yeah, right yeah, now. yeah. And Tyrod but, will, be, will be good for those guys too. But also, yeah. let's let's keep in mind that Hugh Jackson said Tyrod That's was right. the starter. That's right. Can't trust that man in the spring. Here's he'll, a quick. He'll here's, be yanked out in the third quarter. Here's a fun game. Yeah. Where in the world are Cody Kessler and Kevin Hogan? Oh, jeez. There's uh, no way Kevin Hogan's still in this league. He is. He is? I was he was say, traded, James, I, earlier oh this my year. God, I didn't think Cody right. Kessler was still in the league. Wait, they were right. both traded. Wait, that's right. And Did they you go are to both Buffalo? backups. No. Oh, that's right. Uh, Cincinnati? Nope. Oh, I was going to say Cincinnati, too. I thought it was Cincinnati. Oof. I have, dude. I, yeah. Cody Kessler was traded to Duval. <laughs> He's uh, currently the top backup to Blake Bortles right oh, now. Wow. And Kevin Hogan went to Washington, and he's okay. third in line behind Alex oh, Smith and Colt How McCoy. is that man still in the league? Kevin That's, Hogan? I mean, he's yes. not that old. No, I understand. <laughs> he's not he's that young, old. He's, he's not tall, good. And he's white, so he's going to have a job <laughs> a forever Jack, as a backup Jack, quarterback. Jack, he's checks all the boxes. And he has two arms. That's the that's – the, he's, he he's a five-tool wow. backup quarterback, and James. Mike, Mike Glennon will never die then. That's right. right. That is exactly right. 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 <laughs> let's get to Matt the, Schaub is still collecting checks in the season. Unbelievable. That is true. All right. Um, let's get to the meat. Uh, the running backs. The running backs, man. Because um, – and, and, you know, say what you want about the quarterbacks, but this is where it is uh, in terms of fantasy. So we'll talk about your early round running backs. So first and second round running backs. We'll get to the to your later round running backs and all those other guys in next week's uh, podcast. But let's get to the first and second round running backs. We'll start in the Pacific Northwest. Rashad Penny, a surprise pick in the first round. Again, not – Quite surprising. Not great value. Not great value. But that's okay. Um, I I love the fit. Right. Probably, probably could have got him in the I next round. Uh, I, well, this is the thing. This is what I keep saying. I mean, I mean, I know that the, the Seahawks have been killed for it. They didn't have another pick till the third round, and I think their fear was this was the guy we like. I see. They and, probably couldn't trade out. And maybe they could have traded out. Who knows? Anyway, that's got nothing to do with me. Cause <laughs> I don't have to pay Rashad Pitt. That's right. So that's <laughs> right, baby. From a fantasy perspective, I'm with you, James. I do. I love the fit. I think you know the guy has a combination of speed and power. I think he's a better pass catcher than people give him credit for being. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't want to say he's Marshawn Lynch, but I think that's 
they want him to kind of play that sort of style of football. They want him to be that kind of player. Um, and I think I think he's he's better suited for that than anybody they currently have on the roster. In that I don't position. think they really asked him to do a lot of pass protection um, at San Diego State, mostly right. because he was getting the ball so much. <laughs> but um, I think that has been an area of concern, and and I think I've seen enough uh, game tape to, to to wonder out loud as well whether or not he would be a willing. Uh, engager in pass protection but we shall see but um, I think the point that I made on draft day was that does Seattle even ask the running backs to pick up blitzes probably not too much but I think what's really important when we look at Rashad Penny regardless of what you think of the value or the player or whatever is this is a this is an area where we should somewhat listen to the coach speak uh, because uh, here's some of the stuff Pete Carroll said about him after they picked him in the press conferences I'm jacked about this pick he can be a three-down back for us. He can do everything. Obviously, he needs to work on pass protection, he says, mm. uh, which he was not asked to do a lot, but he will give us the ability to play him on all downs, and that versatility is really special. Okay. Uh, he has run a lot of stuff that we want to run with him, no limitation. Uh, John Snyder, the GM, threw a little more of a wet blanket on it, but he also said, we had a team, or he says, excuse me, well, we would have taken him at 18. We had a team call us and try to acquire him after we selected him. I've never had that before. So the Seahawks drafted Penny and then got a call from a different team. Ah. I was like, yo, you want to give us that Penny? And they're like, what? What? No, we just drafted him, fool. I relay this about about the Seahawks running backs and their pass protection. And this is just me speculating. But you always hear about, Offensive linemen talking about how hard it is to block for a guy like Russell Wilson because you don't know where he's going to be. That's right. So I can only imagine it's that much harder for running backs to try to worry about pass protection when your quarterback is scrambling around like a madman. I don't know. And the thing is, too, the reason I ask that question is because, again, yeah, you're right. Russell Wilson scrambling around 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage. A lot of times the running backs just leak out. Right. You just like try to go somewhere and get open. Yeah, You know what I mean? Right. So I, I don't know. Uh, and if that's the case, I'm, I'm down with it. Anyways, let, we talk about him being a great athlete. He's 5'11", 220. 220, all right? He ran a 4'4", 6'40", guys. A 10-foot broad jump. I mean, it, it just he's an unbelievable athlete. Uh, Lance Zerline compared Rashad Penny. I, I love this comparison because I think it's very apt. He compared him to Willis McGahee. Oh. I like that comp. Uh, he closed his college campaign, we're talking about Rashad Penny, with five consecutive 200-plus yard rushing games. He had 22-48 on the ground uh, his last season at SDSU. Uh, from what I saw on tape, I think he's a good receiver. I think he has fluid hips. I think he's got great cutback ability as well. Um, one of my major question marks in terms of scheme fit, and we'll talk about this with Darius Geis as well, but can he run from shotgun? Because Seattle will run a ton of shotgun. They ran a fullback like an heavy offensive line run game at SDU. I mean, we're talking fullback, lead the way. Here comes Rashad Penny, right? 220-pound back in the Mountain West, coming in right behind, right? So, um, and, and we know Pete Carroll's got that in Seattle as well. He's got that some of those packages there yeah. in Seattle as well. But can Rashad Penny run from shotgun? I have literally no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he'll be okay for it, and they wouldn't have taken him if they didn't think he could That's fit fit into that. And this is ultimately like we know we've said many times in this podcast, and historically it's borne out that the Seahawks are a team that preaches competition. Yeah. So they're not going to simply hand Rashad Penny the gig, but also oh. money still talks, you know? and they drafted him in the first, first round. round. So like. Yeah. Odds are he's going to get the the lion's share of the touches. And in fantasy, that's all we really care about is opportunity and and volume. All right. New England let Deion Lewis leave in free agency. So they signed Georgia running back, Sony Michelle. Marcus Grant, your thoughts there? Love it. 
Love it. And he – I think I tweeted after they drafted him. He is the perfect Patriots running back. He just fits. Um, maybe it's because we've watched guys like Deion Lewis and James White kind of be these dual-threat guys who, yeah. who excel in that offense. But he – Good call. You know, I, I don't know. Like, like, the Patriots have kind of – they have been so good at – I want to say plug-and-play. I mean, it feels sort of demeaning. But, you know, like they went from Wes Welker to Julian Edelman. You right. know, it just kind of like kept that rolling. Now I think they're going from, you know, James White and Deion Lewis to Sony Michelle. And right. The guy who can catch it, he – I think he's – he has he's a better power runner than I think people realize. I agree with you that. know they had Nick, no I agree with they that. had Nick Chubb there and I know Nick Chubb did a lot of that but I think Sony Michelle is great at that and I think I think you saw it a lot in the playoffs last year the college football playoffs where he mm-hmm. ran the ball very very effectively so uh, I like him uh, I think I think we'll see sort of that rotation we saw last year where uh, Rex Burkhead is kind of their between the tackles guy and Sony Michelle is a little bit of their Swiss Army knife. But I think it's a great fit. I, I'm I'm definitely on board with Sony Michelle. I I think it's going to be great for a pure football standpoint. Fantasy, I'm a little bit worried about his workload just because the Patriots have always been so versatile in how they deploy their running backs. And I'm okay. sure Michelle's going to get on the field a lot and see the ball a fair amount. But the last time they took a running back really high, I believe, was 2006. Is when they took Lawrence, Lawrence Maroney, Maroney in the first round. Yeah. Oh but they still had Corey Dillon on the team. You're right. And they split up their, their touches. Uh, Corey Dillon ran the ball 199 times. Lawrence Maroney ran it 175. Granted, they didn't throw it to their backs quite as much, although they had Kevin Falk there with uh, catching a bunch of passes. Hmm. But still, like, I don't think just because in this situation, since he was a first-round pick, they're going to come in and hand him the stuff. They have Rex Burkhead, who proved to be super effective last year. We know James White is an excellent pass catcher. So... I like Michelle, but I'm a little concerned about his potential fantasy outlook. Basically, a late round dark guy. Yeah, is absolutely. That, is that him? Wow. I think I would probably is Rashad because Rashad Penny is a is a mid round pick to me anyway. Yes, and we're talking you know fifth, sixth, seventh round, right? So yes. like, uh, uh, Sony Michelle to me double digits. I, yeah, I like Sony Michelle more in best ball because then you don't have to worry about picking okay, the right week to start sense. him. Okay, like okay. when he goes off, sense. yeah, you've you've got your points. But yeah, I think for most of those guys, I'd probably lean towards taking Rex Burkhead first still sure. of that group. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. They're all later round darts that are filling out my running back roster. Sony- Not guys I'm going to try and bank on week. Week. Sony Michelle, a I mean, they desperately needed to infuse some athleticism on that New England roster, and they got it in Sony Michelle. Uh, the last thing I'll say is this: I think in a perfect world, Michelle and Burkhead become a little bit of what Deion Lewis and Burkhead were for a while last year, right. where they were both every week RB twos. Yeah. Like they weren't going to set the world on fire, but you were going to get stick 10, him in that 10 lineup, to, 10 to 15 points, you know? and just be happy. There you go. Cleveland drafted Nick Chubb. Uh, this is a backfield, now. and I love Nick Chubb. Uh, I thought Nick Chubb was a great running There's back. So many people in that backfield: Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, and now Nick Chubb. I have to ask: Is this a full-blown running back by committee, or no? Yes, I think so too. I think so too. Um, the guy that I am most confused about is Duke Johnson and what exactly because remember he this was time so good last year this time last year there was all this talk that we're going to make him a slot receiver that's he's right going to be a slot receiver he's I think a receiver he, I think LOL, he officially okay. played like a game as a slot receiver <laughs> like week one right. Right. I think he played like a snap in the backfield and the right. rest he were played, out wide right. and, and then, then after then, that they served him to being a running back again so um, he's kind of the guy you know obviously they bring in Carlos Hyde as a free agent right. they, they want to see what they have with him they draft Nick Chubb they want to see what they have with him so I just wonder, I don't know exactly where Duke Johnson fits in right now. 
I think he fits in the same spot he has before. He's going to be their main pass catching back. I mean, the dude ha- led the team in targets last year. Obviously, that's is not that gonna right? Be, that's not going to be the same. With, yes, yes, that is he correct, had 93 actually. targets that last year. That is correct. Year. Oh, good God. So that's not going to quite be the oh, same with Jarvis Landry coming in and Josh Gordon being there for the full season. Okay. But I still think, like, Carlos Hyde's a fine pass catcher. Nick Chubb can catch passes. But, like, Duke Johnson's the best one to get out there in space. Mm-hmm. I think the real battle is going to be between Chubb and uh, Carlos Hyde. Hyde. Because I'm sure they they grabbed Carlos Hyde, they can get out of his contract after this year. Right. And then Chubb happened to be there still, and they love him for the long term. So those two are going to duke it out for duke it out. Whoops, that was <laughs> for more of the between the tackles and and goal line work. Well, I think Duke Johnson is going to have his his same type of role. He might not be as valuable as last year because right. simply there are more miles in the backfield, but. I think he'll still be relevant, especially in PPR leagues. Too many question marks right now to determine value on either Nick Chubb or Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson, for that matter, as well. Training camp battles uh, there in Cleveland will be <laughs> – that's going to be massive. That will be massive. If one of those two guys can can grab this job by the reins, uh, we'll have a much clearer idea. And, again, this is a team I, I honestly believe – and I know they were terrible last year. I, I just think that they're a lot closer – than a lot of folks think. Their offensive line there in Cleveland is good. Does Baker Mayfield stabilize the quarterback? I, I think he does. Um, granted, they still have their head coach, which is it's, it's not good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not good. But uh, if Nick Chubb and or Carlos Hyde can really grab the reins here, they will be an interesting uh, pick there in fantasy. But right now, too many question marks to say what their value might be. Ronald Jones, Rojo. Goes to Tampa Bay. Love this landing spot. Yep. Potentially walks into a massive workload. And in a good offense. Pretty like, good offense like as well. Not just getting That's right. you know, force fed touches, but in an offense that has a quarterback, has weapons on the outside. Yeah. Uh, this could be a great spot for him. And they want to use him more as a pass catcher, which we I think we've all in agreement that he can do. He just wasn't used that much at USC. So. Yeah, he had 14 receptions his last year at USC, which is weird. <laughs> what? Very weird. But, I mean, watching him catch the ball, he looked comfortable Smooth doing as hell. it. Yeah. He looked Smooth comfortable doing it. That's, so. right. That's right. All right, so where, where do we project Ronald Jones to go in fantasy drafts? What, what's, a, what's an area that you would feel comfortable? Just give me a, a ballpark figure where you might uh, have Ronald Jones maybe, and, and throw in some projections maybe. Uh, if you can do that as well. I would say I I like him in uh, the third round, basically. That's an aggressive price. Yeah. And I like it. I mean, I like it. I, I was going to say more like five, five or six, but I think I think he may, by the time we get to August, you may be closer to right. Because the thing is, I've, as I've been redoing my top 200, I'm looking at it, and I think he's one of those guys that is going that is in a good offense, has high scoring upside, and he's gonna he's gonna get saddled with plenty of touches. I he's mean, the clear cut guy. Yeah, they're gonna Peyton Barber will probably get in the mix. Like I think he earned that last year, but I guess. but a small amount. You know, like a series here or there, or yeah, maybe yeah, if yeah, you know yeah. Rojo needs a spell. I mean, Rojo's two hundred and five pounds. I'm not I'm not saying we're gonna you know I, I don't think Tampa Bay should load this guy up with forty carries. Not especially when you got Jameis Winston and all those Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, when you got those guys, uh, y- you can't give Rojo forty touches. Doesn't make any sense but in today's world where you can't find starting running backs no this guy's a starter and i think the trouble is when you start getting into honesties i know you i think you're working on your top 200 james and marcus you're working on yours but once you get 
past like number 30 overall, you start hitting a lot a of question shoot. marks. It's a crap shoot. I mean, even a guy like Kenyon Drake, they went yeah. and got Kalen Bellage and no, like that offense could boo. be that offense could be bad this oh, year. We don't know. Yeah. Like Drake's never really been the featured guy aside from those few games like at, at any point in yeah. his football career. No, you're right. Alex Collins, are they going to let ride with him because he earned it last year or are they going to do a stupid committee like Tyreek Hill, T.Y. Hilton, Jarek McKinnon, like, you know, Jay Ajayi, all these guys that just have massive question marks, whereas Rojo, talent, good offense, opportunity. Yeah, it's all That's there. why I think you're going to have to go that high to get him, or and he should go that high. It's all there. It's all there. I I don't hate the pro- – I mean, again, it's. I think third round is aggressive, but I, I don't hate it. I, I, I really, really do not hate it. Uh, carry on Johnson, running back out of Auburn. Uh, he goes to Detroit, and it's just – I, I want to get excited about it, but you can't. I mean, they signed LeGarrette Blount. Uh, they already have Amir Abdullah, who they invested a high-round draft pick in. And Theo Riddick. They've got Theo Riddick, who's going to be getting passing work as well. Uh, <laughs> do all what? Four, are all four of those guys on the roster week one? I, I mean, who who do they cut? I, don't, I mean, they just signed LeGarrette Blount. They, I, I can't imagine they just cut Blount's him. there. Riddick's there. Johnson's there. Abdullah, maybe. Gone? I mean, he's still at the end of his rookie deal, so he's fairly cheap. That's what I'm saying. I mean... They can't keep them all, though. They can't, can't I mean, because, like, I, I mean, we've always thought, at least I've always thought, that, you know, for Theoretic and Amir Abdullah are somewhat redundant to one another. Uh, I mean, I know they're not exactly one-to-one the same player, but th- right. they, they do a lot of the same things. And it's like, if you got all these other guys that you want to get touches to, yeah. why do you want two of the same thing? The, <laughs> contract-wise... The guy that they could get out of is Theo Riddick because he's got a, a dead cap of less than $2 million, uh in this upcoming season. So if they wanted to move on from Theo Riddick, I think that would be the easiest for them from a financial standpoint. I wonder if they just move on from Amir Abdullah, though. Um, and again, you you look at the you look at the dead cap for 2018. It's 320 grand. Okay, so if they if they wanted to walk away, but I mean, we're talking about a guy who's 24 years old at the end of his rookie deal has shown flashes of explosiveness. I just it's just, it's just about him staying on the field. That's the thing. <laughs> it's that's the thing. But does he become that third third down guy? And you know, it's some combination of on Johnson and Legarrette Blunt on the on the early down hammers. I'm just Again, man, I'm just not sure. By the way. It's a mess there in Detroit. For all of this, you know, hypothesizing and yes. predictions that we're going to do, it's going to be really fun when you uh, you try to bank on one of these guys and LeGarrette Blunt is just stealing all of their touchdowns. <laughs> you know? I thought, Le- first of all, I, the, the next-gen metrics on LeGarrette Blunt last year were really good. They were really, really good. He was actually... Um, and I know this is a weird word to use for Leggy Blunt, but he was elusive. Uh, his yards gained after close was was quite impressive. So um, I'm I'm interested to see uh, what he's got left in the tank there and what he can do behind Detroit's offensive line, which has been unable uh, to run block for the past few years. They they tried to improve it though, and I, Leggy Blunt big backs with balance, man. Like he, he's not he's not juking people out of their shoes. That's but what I'm saying. A lot of people that are trying to bring him down and aren't doing it. And they're not doing it. They're not doing it. When's the last time the Lions had a 100-yard rusher? Was it Reggie Bush? 1,000-yard rusher was Reggie Bush, yes. Uh, but they haven't had somebody run, run for, for 100 yards, yards in a game, game since 2013. That's right. That was also Reggie Bush. Also Reggie Bush. 1,000-yard oh. <laughs> Also Reggie Bush. Good God.
Sir Reginald Alfred Bush. The second. second. Uh, Carrion <laughs> Johnson, Leggy Blunt, Amir Abdullah, Theoret. I mean, again, all these guys, question mark, question mark. Just in yeah, terms of I, fantasy value, where to draft them right now as we stand today? Giant question mark. Late late rounds. Yeah, late rounds. I mean, this is one of those committee backfields where you want to take a – you want to potentially have a piece of it because the Lions could be a really good offense and, yeah, if, yeah. and the backs could be a huge part of that, but – that you just don't, don't know. There's don't so know. much so much risk in taking one of those guys that you want to use them to yeah. round out your roster. All right, so in the second round, Darius Geis fell. Love this fit. To the Washington Redskins. A lot of folks, including Alex Gelhar, as you mentioned, love this pick because, again, great value. Uh, he had a first-round grade in a lot of people's uh, estimations, and he fell to Washington in the second round. Where does he go in drafts? I have him right around the same range as Rojo. Like third round. Third round, easily. You think he's a clear-cut, no-doubter, he's going to be the workhorse guy? I, I think that, I mean, you don't, you, they took him in the second round, and he's he's super talented, and he can catch the ball, too. So Chris Thompson's going to be there, and he's going to get his. You have to utilize him in the past game. He yeah. was special last year. Um, he, he absolutely was. But I also think they don't want to, as much as we wanted them for fantasy purposes, to yeah. just give Chris Thompson 20 touches a game. That proved yeah, you can't that it's, it's troublesome because yeah, yeah. of the, the type of build he has. But Geis is built like, you know, a brick S-house to borrow the uh, colloquialism there. Right. And this guy can punish people when he runs. He and likes he, to, too. And he does. He's yeah. the guy that looks for contact. Yes, he's, he he's got that swagger. He gets into the second level, and he can juke people. Yeah. But if he sees a guy he can run through, he's like, I'm coming for Wh- you. What's in the water at LSU? Because <laughs> Him and Fournette. That's what I'm saying. Geis was Fournette's backup, and both of those guys just absolutely love to look for contact and punish defenders. I, to, let me let me say this. I love Darius Geis and, and um, as a prospect. The, the the one question I have, uh, and again, it's the same thing with Rashad Penny. Systematically, does he fit with a shotgun heavy team like Washington? Because I tell you what, man, you look at LSU. I think you can count the number of times on one hand they ran shotgun. Well, LSU's offense was oatmeal. It was. Garbo. It was it was like low calorie oatmeal. It's like we're gonna <laughs> put we're like, gonna put uh, <laughs> low calorie oatmeal. I mean, my God. Uh, <laughs> I think if they, I honestly feel like if they could, they would have run all eleven guys, ten guys on the offensive line, and just given the ball to guys and just said run. It yeah. was so it just. I mean, it was bunch formations. All I mean, tight tight formations all the way through. Fullback leading the way. I mean, it was power, 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 power. You, they never spread it out. It just, I don't know. Like, that that would be my thing is just, look, he's 224 pounds, ran a 4-4-9-40, drew comparisons to Marshawn Lynch, a punishing running back. But, I mean, again, can he run out of shotgun? And I tell you what, I just don't know. I worry less about that and more about the fact that, I mean, I was just going back through through Jay Gruden's tenure as the head coach there, and his lead running backs have gotten fewer and fewer carries throughout his time. Now, part of it might have been the guys that he had back there. I mean, yes. when, he, when he started as the head coach, they still had Alfred Morris, and they kind of started to phase him out. And they've gone through some, you know, obviously the, the P. Rines and the Kellys and those guys never quite worked out the way people thought. Right. But I do just wonder, because as, as I've watched – that Washington offense, the one thing I've taken away from it is that Jay Gruden, who spent a long time in the Arena League, has brought a lot of arena-type concepts to what he does offensively. Yeah. And if you've seen arena football, running backs aren't really a big thing. They're not a thing. And so I, I do wonder how much that is going to impact, especially when you've got Chris Thompson who can catch the ball. Yep. 
when they've got Alex Smith now, who uh, looked like a new man last year, the way he played in Kansas City. So I just, you know, I'm curious to see how exactly they, because the talent's not really an issue. I'm just curious to see how exactly Jay Gruden integrates guys into that offense. And will he, though? I mean, I think you brought up a great point. I mean, to me, it's, I mean, his track record for basically, you know, running out running backs is not great. You know, I, I don't think, and again, how much of it can you blame on these guys or on, on the actual talent level themselves and how much of it can you blame on the coaching staff? I think we've seen enough guys now literally where you're like, okay, you know what? I think it's part. Of, I think it's partly the coaching staff. I don't think they put a lot of emphasis and really they don't give running backs a lot of confidence either, man. I think, I think we have to look at the context here. The first year he, he gave Morris 200 plus carries, um, but Morris was a holdover. Morris wasn't his guy. The next year, Morris's carries dropped because Gruden went out and got his guy in Matt Jones, who, oops, injuries, fumbleitis, everything, then literally coughed up his own job. So yeah. since then, 2016 and 2017, he's been trying to find an answer. Yeah. They drafted Samaje P. Ryan late, didn't work out. Still, They still had Matt Jones in 2016, didn't work out. Had Rob Kelly, Chris Thompson. Now they said they were willing to take Geis in the first round. Mm. They got him in the second. Yeah. Like this is a big organizational commitment. They love yeah. this guy. I think I think he's gonna be he's gonna be the lead dog here. And I he's super talented and he's gonna have opportunities. And as we said, it's a good offense too. You got Smith, you got Doxon, you got Crowder, you got Reed, you got Richardson on the outside. Like Gruden's a good I know offensive you didn't mind. Say Reed. I know I you didn't say hey, Is he they on the team? <laughs> <laughs> he is on the team. What are you talking about, dude? We already, we Reed already, slash Davis. Thank all you. Right? Thank you. We already determined Alex Smith, Vernon Davis. We already determined this. Is that old San Francisco 49ers? You know connection? what I'm saying? Yes. Oh. Uh, so while, while I think you're right, we have seen a lot of running backs come through, and that could be worrisome when yeah. you look at the context of Morris being a holdover okay. career never wanted, Jones getting injured and fumbling, yeah. other draft picks not working out, not exactly having – you know, the guys maybe that they wanted to invest in that All highly. Right. Now they have their dude. Okay. I think it's ready. To, we're ready to rock. I got to see training cat, man. I, I'm, this one's a big red flag for me. I love guys though. Yeah. He's so fun to watch. Yeah, he 2016, is. No, 2017. Nice. Especially if you go back to his 2016 year when. He's uh, a train coming down oh. the track. I mean, it's just. I mean, look, you might go back to that offense at LSU when Leonard Fournette was out and guys stepped in. They didn't, they didn't miss a beat. Nope. <laughs> like nope. it kept rolling. They just kept on moving. All right, let's talk about wide receivers now. First and second round wide receivers. Uh, the first wide receiver taken off the board. This was a little bit of a surprise, I think, for a lot of folks. But uh, DJ Moore going to Carolina pairs up with Cam Newton. Thing about DJ Moore, I, and again, I know a lot of you folks have not watched Maryland football. The Terrapins. Uh, I don't think you watch a lot of Terrapin football. Crab cakes and football. Uh, That's what Maryland year. does. Is it, though? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, but, no, I, the thing I, I, I got from watching DJ Moore, uh, again, 6 feet, 210 pounds. This guy, man, you better come correct with the form tackle or he will make you look dumb. I mean, he <laughs> is a tackle breaker. And at the wide receiver position, it's been a long time – you know what? He kind of sort of does remind me a little bit of Steve Smith. I mean, that's what Steve Smith said. You know what I'm saying? Steve Smith uh, on NFL Network said they have they've been trying to find a replacement for me until now. I, it, it, he might be that guy. He might be that guy. Great athlete as well. Four four two forty, nearly a forty inch vertical. He ran one of the fastest twenty yard shuttles as well in the 2018 combine. But again, man, he is just a straight up tackle breaker. What do you think about DJ Moore in Carolina, and what is his value as of today? I love it. I think it's a good fit. I mean, you know, we know that Devin Funches is going to get his targets. You know, Greg Olson, now that he's healthy and back, he'll see some opportunity. But let me just keep in mind, Greg Olson is is certainly nearing the end of his career as well. 
He's starting I'm, I'm to half down. expecting him to, to, to join a TNF crew or something. Right. I mean, that that's always a possibility. So, that's the move for old white tight ends. So there's, I mean, look at Jason Witten, you know, Greg Olson. <laughs> like they, can, they can have their own podcast. They could. Um, they could. But DJ Moore walks into a situation where there are targets that are up for grabs in that offense. You know what I'm saying? And, and he you know can, what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised if you see him as their legit number two receiver I'm excited early in this season. So, I know, I take a shot on him mid-rounds. You know, I think I think he's worth it. Seventh, eighth? Yeah, I think that's I think that's fine. Too. I, I think too. he I think this is the best marriage of the draft probably in terms of talent, need, and fit. Yeah. Like it just checked every box. He's absolutely the type of receiver they need. I know Harmon was enamored with this pick because uh DJ Moore is the type of person who can create, as Harmon said, layup throws for, for a quarterback like Cam. So he's not gonna have to stretch the field or anything he can, but he's gonna create a lot of easy chunk yardage games. And I I mean like Right now, it's it's him and then Tory Smith are behind Funchess on the on the depth chart. I love Tory. He's he's had a you know a very fine career. But like, if we're thinking DJ Moore is not going to come in and overtake Tory for the majority of those second wide receiver targets, we're we're being foolish. Yeah, and it's um it, again, you talk about schematic fit too. E- even at Maryland, a lot of his a lot of the catches and throws that. Uh, that he got, they were kind of sort of around the line of scrimmage. You know, they threw a lot of, you know, screens and stuff to him and just asked him to create um, a lot of comeback routes as well. So it, he's a guy that, again, you, you talk about layup throws for Cam. I, this is it. This is it. He, he's going to be one of my favorite sleepers yeah. uh, going into the 2018 drafts. And, again, seventh, eighth round, uh, sign me up. I know that's going to be a little bit early for a rookie wide receiver, but I tell you what, man, this guy could do it. Like, I would, I would venture to guess, like, what do we think? Like, maybe a – 60 to 70 catch, like eight or 900, 900. Seven, seven touchdown kind of year. Seven, yeah, Six sure. Seven year. I think, I think that's a good baseline, and then, you know, who knows? I mean, who knows? I don't think he's going to pop for double-digit touchdowns no. at any point. No. But if he starts pushing for 1,000 yards and, you know, seven touchdowns, sign me, although, sign although me this, up for that all day If long. this Panthers offense gets back in gear, um, you know, with Cam, Cam Funches, McCaffrey, and Olsen as the main guys, like, there could be plenty of touchdowns to go around for DJ Moore. Yeah. Like, it's not – it's not uh, completely out of the question that he would get double-digit, but it's going to be tough for him to get there. The NFC South, too, is a little bit more of a, a, a wide-open division. They're going to have to – they have you have to kind of, sh- you know, air it out a little bit. You know what I mean? To, to stay paced with the Saints. The Bucks are going to score some points. You know what I'm saying? The Falcons, the Falcons. are going to be there as well. Good so. offenses down there. Yeah, you know what I mean? So there you go. Calvin Ridley from Alabama goes to Atlanta. He stays in the Dirty South. But I, I love this pick for Atlanta from a real-life perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I, to me, he profiles as a, a perfect number two wide receiver. I think you're asking a lot uh, if you want Calvin Ridley to be your number one. But now he gets to pair up oh. uh, alongside Julio Jones. I was going to say, he didn't have to there. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I, and that's what to. I love about the draft pick um, from uh, the guys there in Atlanta. But Calvin Ridley, Ridley the, the number two guy running opposite of Julio Jones, uh, this is a guy that's got – Terrific vertical speed on the outside. Uh, hands was a little bit of a, a question mark there coming out of Alabama, but regardless, uh, real life football wise, I love the pick for Atlanta. Okay, fantasy wise, I'm not so sure. No, it's tough because uh, there just aren't going to be enough targets to go around on a regular basis. Yeah, Muhammad Sanu is still you know I mean? there for yeah. this year, and Sanu has quietly just been a ve- uh, been a rock in that offense. Like he had, he's never lights it on fire for fantasy. He's right. had some good stretches, but yeah. So Ridley's going to have to repeat to compete with that. But I love the fit, too, like you said, schematically everything. Also, Ridley was one of the best at just creating separation for himself in college football last year of the wide receivers coming out. And now you put him with his footwork and his route running prowess on that fast track in Atlanta for eight games a year. Right. Plus two games in the Dome, or a game in the Dome and uh, Superdome. Yeah. Like, 
this is, it's a good situation for him long term. Yeah, that's not bad. Cortland Sutton in Denver. It's funny because when I'm watching Cortland Sutton tape out of SMU, he reminded me of a young Demarius Thomas. And now he goes to Denver, which has Demarius Thomas. Uh, these two guys, these two big, burly wide receivers running around on the outside, theoretically they made uh, an upgrade at quarterback as well, signing Case Keenum. I don't know. I, I, I'm quietly – I think it was a good pick by Denver. I'm quietly excited about it, especially with um, – given the, the, the wide receivers and, and, again, the slight upgrade that they got at quarterback as well. MG, your thoughts on Cortland Sutton in Mile High. Yeah, I – you know <laughs> – you want to talk about another offense, though, with a lot of kind of mouths to feed now. I mean, because you, you mentioned Demarius Thomas. Now yeah. Sutton's there. You didn't even mention, you know, Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kind of hanging around there, too. So, <sighs> And he was, I think, I thought he was their best, most consistent wide receiver. Sanders? Yeah, Sanders yeah. last year. I, would, I wouldn't mind taking kind of a late-round stab at Cortland Sutton. Um, I just think that, you know, th- this Denver offense still has a lot of unknowns. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I- I'm still skeptical that Case Keenum – can repeat what we saw from him last year. And we're talking about a guy who was a journeyman, a backup throughout his whole career. For sure. Had a career year last year, no doubt about it. But, like, you're asking me to believe that he can do it again. I'm skeptical of that. So, on top of it, you still got those those other wide receivers there. Yeah. So, I'm willing to take a shot kind of late. Yes. Um. You know, I forgot Deshaun Hamilton. They drafted him a little bit later, too, in that draft, too, from Penn State. It's so, so funny, man, isn't it? Like, they they, they, they signed a guy who, who models his game or reminds you at least a little bit of Demarius, and then mm-hmm. another guy, Deshaun Hamilton, who reminds you a little bit about Emmanuel Sanders. Right. Well. I think those are both picks for the future because <laughs> uh, Thomas and Sanders are carrying huge cap hits and are both over 30. Like, yeah, still great I mean, receivers, but they're not going to be there for the long term. Yeah, I, don't I don't think they'll be there next there, year. There, no, there was talk that Emmanuel not, Sanders yeah. was going to be let go this off. That's so, right. I think, I think you're right, Marcus. Late-round stab at Sutton makes sense, but he's going to need an injury to get the sort of targets where we right. can trust him in a fantasy lineup week oh, to week. But overall, with those hip right, issues. And, and lower like ankle injuries yeah, for both you know of them. I mean? So there's certainly an opportunity for him if somebody goes down. But yeah. year one, great fit. Get some seasoning. Get in the mix a little bit. Yeah. Next year. Next year. Hype train's going to be leaving the station for Let's Portland go. Sutton. Uh, Dante Pettis from Washington uh, goes to San Francisco. It was a weird pick for me because, to me, he just profiles as an unbelievable punt returner, um, special teams guy. But to get a guy like that in the second round I thought was weird. But then you hear from management, and they're saying that they feel like Dante Pettis can fill every – they literally said can fill every wide receiver role – uh, on that team, which I was kind of... That, I'm skeptical eh, of that. I don't know about all that, but uh, to me, I thought they were just drafting a a, a great special team. Here's, here's my thought on Dante Pettis after I've let this marinate and looked at him, because I didn't watch him a ton uh, leading up to the draft. I was way behind on that because of jury duty and stuff, but after yeah, yeah. reading more about him and looking at him and seeing how they drafted, he might be who... Shanahan wants to be Taylor Gabriel in San Francisco. Oh. You think back to how Gabriel was used that year that in Atlanta year. Yeah. where they would play him in the slot. They'd put him out wide. They'd have him in the backfield. Like They'd use his, and Shanahan being the offensive wizard that he is and knowing how to exploit mismatches, will just take Dante Pettis and doop, 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 that put him wherever he wants in the lineup. All right. I don't know what that's going to mean for fantasy in year one, right? but it's certainly a, a, something to monitor how he's deployed in the preseason and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. And then maybe adjust, you know, our expectations because they've got Garcon, who's probably going to be the number one there. You've got Goodwin to stretch the field and also get his share of looks. But, like, other than that, there's probably a fair amount of work up for grabs in that offense with Jimmy G under center. And 
uh, Pettis, if he falls into that Gabriel type role, could be the kind of guy where in a matchup that might profile to be more of a shootout, say 49ers Rams or something okay. like that, slide him in in the flex and hope for the best. I, I love the way that, you know, I feel like we, we people are talking about the 49ers offense like, you know, in this age of reboots and sequels, it's like a reboot of the Falcons offense. <laughs> you know, like you got Jimmy G playing the Matt Ryan you. role. I got you. Uh, you know, because like I saw a couple days ago that, you know, Jerick McKinnon is supposed to be the new Devontae, Devontae Freeman, Freeman yep. which leaves, you know, a competition between like Matt Breda and Joe Williams, a couple other guys yeah. to be the Tevin Coleman. Coleman. So now all of a sudden we're talking about, you know, the, it's funny. the uh, what Dante Pettis is this Taylor game. Like, That's funny. You're not gonna right. find a Julio yeah, Jones. Right. You're not gonna find a Julio Jones. Yeah, so that's yeah, the problem. Yeah, yeah. Like he's the, those guys don't just come around all the time. So. That's a good point. That's a good point. But uh, for fantasy purposes, Dante Pettis, I think you could just leave him on the waiver wire for right now. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't think he's draft. I mean, even late round, I don't think he's a draftable asset as of today. It's gonna be a fun guy to watch though. Christian Kirk goes to Arizona. They pair him up with Josh Rosen. Arizona. I like this fit. Yes. Yeah, trying like to add uh, some youth and athleticism. Uh, to their offense to go along with David Johnson, I it's I don't I don't hate it. Christian Kirk. There are a lot of targets out there, man. You know? John John Brown's gone. Jaron yep. Brown is gone. Um, there's there's plenty of opportunity for Christian Kirk the, to step in and make plays. The one thing he's gonna we're gonna need to see how they use him and how he adjusts is he played a lot in the slot in yep. college, and yep. that is Larry Fitzgerald's turf it right is? now. You best not come stepping on that. <laughs> <laughs> and David Johnson's gonna get a bunch. And of David Johnson's gonna get a bunch. Well. So if Kirk can adjust to life on the outside and yeah. slide out there and find some success, like yeah, he could he could have plenty of opportunities even in year one. Yeah, you know it's it's weird because he was a, a slot guy there at uh, Texas A and M. He's five. 11 200 pounds so again he profiles as an athletic slot guy uh ran a 447 40 which is obviously very very fast but um he's kind of he, it's interesting to me because when i was watching him play um at a&m you're thinking okay here's this guy he's he's a he's a slot guy but you know what he was a field stretcher too. He's got oh yeah, no. he's got better long speed, I think, than he does short area quickness. I think he has the ability to do it all. It's just he's yeah. gonna have to get used to working out there. I wonder. I I wonder how they're gonna utilize him, man. Um, but again, it, it's they needed athleticism. They got it in Christian Kirk. But for fantasy purposes, again, another guy. I think you could just leave on the waiver wire for right now. Um, not a guy that I'm, I'm too interested in in even spending a, a late round. Uh, pick on Christian Kirk, but just someone to monitor there in the desert. Chicago drafted Memphis wide receiver Anthony Miller. I really like this pick, and I'm mad because I kind of wanted him to fall to the Packers and okay. maybe round three or something. But yeah. Second he's, round a, pick. He's, he's a good player. I think he's really good. You know, he only had one productive year at Memphis. He Which is always a concern. That's a red flag for Yeah, me. he redshirted one year and then was injured the next and then had one pretty good year at Memphis. Okay, so he ran a 4.540 at his pro day. He's 5'11", 200 pounds. 39-inch vert, as you 30, had in there, too, though. 39-inch like vert. He's pretty explosive, and this I think he's can, starting to put can, it together. Yeah, he's a good athlete. What's nice for Chicago is they don't need to ask a lot of him early, either. They've got Allen Robinson. Yeah. They've got Taylor Gabriel. Yeah. They still have Kevin White, who is is a real person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they're going to have the ability to Trey let, Burton. Trey Burton. They're going to be able to have the ability to let Miller get in and you Percolate. Know, get his feet under him a little bit. Okay. But I think it's a good— I was a surprised good, they spent a second-round pick on him. I mean, I, and everything I saw, Miller was going to fall a little bit more in the draft. Maybe, right. maybe, like I said, third or fourth round, which was where I was hoping the Packers might target a wide receiver. But yeah. 
by you know it, they've got a new offensive coach in there and Matt Nagy and yeah. uh, th- this might be a guy he wanted. So it's interesting. Sometimes you got to look at these investments of, of new coaches in, yeah. in different types of talent and players to, yeah. to get a good. But just beat all on. that money they spent on wide receiver, like why draft a wide receiver in the second round? Just to me, I, I was, thought it was a stretch. And I know I know it's a new you know new coaching staff and stuff in there, but I yeah. I. You mentioned Kevin White, and I would just wonder, like, if they didn't look at him as a – he was another guy who had one good year in college, has kind of had injuries. Um, I don't know, just maybe is looking at that as I a, mean, a cautionary – seventh thing. overall versus, like, 40-whatever overall, where uh, – <laughs> True, true. Where, what's his nuts? Uh, true, Miller true, went. true, yeah, bit, bit different. Yeah, um, and also, point. I think Kevin White now at this point is going to be near the end of his rookie contract. They just lost Cameron Meredith to the Saints in that deal, so – right. They had a need for depth. Second round might be a little aggressive, okay. but sometimes, you know, yeah, you're right. if the guy you want is there, go get him. All right, there you go. James Washington goes to Pittsburgh. Um, I thought he was a great – I mean, he's the Bolitnikoff winner, so, I mean, obviously yeah. good player. Uh, James Washington going to Pittsburgh. Um, again, another guy, just, you know, again, good player. I think he, he goes to Pittsburgh. He, he adds some youth and athleticism. Uh, to the wide receiving core. They, lost he there? they needed because they traded Martavis Bryant yeah. during the draft. Is he there to one day be the Mason Rudolph whisperer? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, you, know, you watch those games, and, and Mason Rudolph has some skills, and he's got some ability, but you watch a lot of those Oklahoma State games, and there were a lot of times that James Washington bailed him out. Oh, yeah. And, you know, why not? Just throw it up. Throw it up and let, let J-Dub go get it. And so you wonder, <laughs> you know, whenever it is Ben Roethlisberger decides he's done playing, you know, if, if – yeah. That's that's interesting. To me. <laughs> no, you're right because you know I we talk about this all the time, but these players are not video game sprites. You know what I'm saying? So, draft a guy like James Washington who you know can play. Uh, then you go and get Mason Rudolph. They're teammates. You know they're going to be roommates, right? And they can help each other along and, and, and help each other through this process. It's not a thing that teams do super often, but you have no. seen it have some success, like with the Chargers going and getting Melvin Gordon's fullback from Wisconsin. They got mm. uh, Derek Watt. The other Watt, Derek Watt. Yeah. So you know, it's just some it breeds familiarity and, and has a built-in relationship. I think I think Washington makes sense there. I don't think he's going to have a ton of value this year because nope. Juju is going to make the next step, right. and Brown's there. But uh, much like with some of these other guys we mentioned, could be a matchup type, right. matchup based starter. If there's one of those things where we know a team is extremely susceptible to deep passes, okay. like who was that team last year where you just knew if there was a field stretcher playing them, they were going to catch the ball deep. Like even Sammy Coates caught. I forget it was. Somebody had a weakness at covering the deep pass, and any time like a fast burner receiver went up against right. him, we'd start him. Okay. That's the sort of thing for James Washington. All right, last receiver here. Actually, can I add one? Because yes. you did not include one of the guys I think actually might have a chance to lead rookie-wide receivers in scoring Yeah. Where did I put this guy? Michael Gallup, who went to Dallas. Oh, my goodness. I missed Michael Gallup. Yeah, just blew right past him. <laughs> Well, I think we should talk over DJ Chark because yeah, Jacksonville wide receivers, they have about 32 on their roster right now. <laughs> and they're all the same. They're all DJ Chark. <laughs> I don't understand. They're all this guy. Don't. Jacksonville, I mean, I know you have a t- – this is like when you – you know, it's like your buddy has a type in girls, you know? Yeah. Actually, it's like Reggie Bush. <laughs> right? It's like, Reggie, we get can it, we, man. You got this we, type, okay? Can, like, you like the to- – He's kind of a coworker now. Well, he's got a type, dude. He's not <laughs> listening to this. We're fine. Does he not have a type? He does. He has a type. He does indeed. So and, and the Jags have, have, have a type at wide receiver. They're all DJ Chark. I mean, they're all DJ the Chark. The only one I want for fantasy is Marquise Lee, for the when, record. When you're not particularly interested in, in throwing the football, <laughs> why would you spend a whole lot of time scouting wide receivers? I mean, do they just have go, anyone? Just dude, go with what's comfortable. Just like whatever. We got, we got, yeah. hey, who, who are you? You? Yeah, yeah you're yeah, the same guy. Go uh, run out there. Yeah, just get, get some more of those, those chicken wings. It's fine. <laughs> whatever. 
Okay, so <laughs> good. So Gallup, though, Colorado State falls to the Cowboys in uh, round three, who have a desperate need for wide receiver. Holy hell, do they ever. I mean, Alan Hearns and Terrence Williams are your one and two right now. Nope. Uh, and then they traded Ryan Switzer. <laughs> and then they traded oh. Ryan Switzer. But hey, they got Tavon Austin via trade as a quote-unquote running back. back. Sure. Yes. Uh, Gallup is a great fit, though. I know Harmon loved him because he had written up in reception perception Gallup as being a sneaky like sleeper X receiver in this class, and that's exactly what Dallas needs. Gallup's a natural athlete, 6'1", 205. Uh, he won with you know a lot of great separation at Colorado State. I think he's going to come in and have a chance to really just consistently produce for the Cowboys. My question here, too, is, um, and I know Dallas really wanted, I, I would imagine they really wanted Cortland Sutton to fall to them, but uh, didn't have that opportunity. Uh, Michael Gallup is another guy a little bit undersized, pro- probably would fit best in the slot, uh, and again, can f- stretch the field, of course, no doubt about it. But Alan Hearns is a guy that played 60% of his snaps the last two seasons from the slot as well. Um, I, just do they have Terrence Williams is theoretically an outside receiver, but, I mean, he's bad. So <laughs> I just... I, it felt like they needed to get somebody to to play the X receiver. I thought they were going to get, and a lot of the folks I talked to in Dallas thought and hoped they would get Cortland Sutton. Obviously, yeah. he didn't fall that far. He didn't, he fall. didn't fall far enough yeah, for them yeah, to yeah. have a real shot at, at, right. at him. But um, here's my, my, my bold prediction for the year. Okay. It's not even that bold, but yeah. I think Michael Gallup's going to be the Cowboys' leading receiver this year. I agree. I don't even know how, how bold that is. I think he's going to be their leading receiver this year. Interesting. I, I mean, who else is going to catch the football? Alan Hearns? I, I guess. I don't know. Right? I mean, maybe, but you know, Hearns has always had kind of injury health issues, issues yeah. in health his issues career. Big, yeah. um, you, know, you talked about. Terrence Williams. I mean, you know, you Jason Winton is gone. Just, uh, who, you know, you who's the tight end there? You can't count on Cole it, Beasley. It's probably gonna be Rico Gathers. Rico Gathers, Jeff Swaim, <laughs> Jeff Blake Swain Jarwin. Is, Blake. Je- who is Blake Jarwin? Who is Blake? He's like a second-year receiver. I think he went to really? uh, or tight end Arkansas, some sort of flyover state school. I forget. All right. All right. Can we talk about this Dallas offense though? Um, I, again, Dak Prescott is a guy that uh, I really. I'm want. scared of the Dallas offense. I, me too. Me too. Like Oklahoma State, by the that's way. That's what it was. I told you it was in that general area. <laughs> uh, I forgot about Dallas when I was mentioning uh, the Bills and Colts' as offenses I'm terrified of. I'm scared. Dallas. I'm scared of Dallas. Scared. Yeah. I mean, you talk about LaShawn McCoy fe- seeing stacked boxes. Zeke is going to see everybody. <laughs> Everyone, man. Everyone. Everybody. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I don't know. Um, I still have Zeke as a top five pick. Yeah. Oh, I have him way up there. It's I have him way up there because – Opportunity. It's the same thing with Shady. Like he's yeah. going to get all of the touches, and he's younger, <laughs> I mean, and, and faster, and but stronger right it now. It just it, to me, Dak becomes a guy that you just. Yeah, you, I you have Dak at like QB twenty right now. I was like, you can't draft this guy, right? No, no. There's just no way. There's, there's, there's no. so many better options right now. Even I mean, with the like, rushing ability, you, you just can't do it. We know how good Dak can be. Is you know we saw it his rookie year, and his rushing ability certainly helps his upside. But like there are just too many good quarterbacks in this league right now to saddle yourself yeah. to one that legitimately does not have a number one, maybe even like what many would consider a number two receiver in his offense right now. So Ezekiel Elliott in his rookie year, yeah, had a total of three hundred and fifty-four touches. touches. Oh. Good. That was his rookie, and they they use him a lot. But they still had they still had you know Dez and Witten, yeah, bunch yeah. of other guys. Does he top that this year? Three fifty, three fifty four. Three fifty four is his rookie year. Does he get more than that? No, nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I might go. I might go. I might take the over. Four hundred. I mean, all he has to get is three sixty. <laughs> like I might, <laughs> I might a couple take, more. I might take the over because like well, last year, obviously, he missed six games, suspension, what yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. So he. 
He uh, just barely got over 300 last year. Um, if I'll say, ten- I'll say this. I think if they, if if he gets 400 total touches, they're either going to be a 10 win team. Or, or a five-win Or like a three-win team. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's, there's no nine they're and seven in Yeah, there. you know what I'm saying? Like, they're either going to be I mean, good, because, and that means they're going to be good and leading, or they're going to just be bad. So here's here's something kind of funny to look at, too, regarding Zeke. So per Nexion Stats dashboard, his rookie season, he played. He was out on the field for 689 offensive plays okay. over 15 games. All right. 2017, he um, obviously only played in 10 games, yeah. was out for 565 plays on those 10 games. Holy so five five fewer games, he was only uh, on the field for like 130 Less fewer snaps. plays. Jeez. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, all right. There you go. 400 touches. Here we go. <laughs> it's, uh, it's certainly in the realm of possibility. Can he hold up on 400 touches? Oh my goodness! I hope he. Do. I mean, I hope he does. But good lord, that's a lot yeah, of I'm, touches. Man. I am scared of this offense. Yeah, I'm scared. I'm 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 deathly afraid. All right, so there you go. That's your first couple of rounds. Next week we're gonna get to um, all of the rest of the guys. Three through seven. Three through seven. And there's some very interesting, always, always interesting names uh, to be parsed through as well. And but ho- let's hopefully next week too. We'll have a mock draft to discuss. Yes. We are in oh, the process yeah. of starting that up right now. Our first 45 uh, first minutes mock away. Ooh, baby. 45 minutes away. So yes, yeah, so hopefully we'll have the, uh, the, uh, the mock draft for you as well, but we'll talk about the rest of your NFL draft as well. There you go. Let's close out your show with a round of daily daps. Daps, 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 daps. Now we're talking no, about no. dog bites and <laughs> dipping. Daps, 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 daps. You know, if you like creepy rabbits, uh, this movie's for you. Degenerate are Godzilla you? is down there. This is why I love this group of guys that were like, ah, whirlwind, there it goes, boom. All right, here we go. Alex Gelhar, kick us off. Uh, I'm just going to daily dap Infinity War. Oh, baby. Uh, I just watched it last night. Did you? Yes. What would you think? I liked it. It's fun. Woo, it's so like, as it's, so, as it's own on a movie, from when the opening credits start to when the closing credits scroll, you're like, if you were just evaluating that as a movie, you're like, well, that's not really a movie. Like, it doesn't quite have a beginning and end and arcs and stuff. But that's because it's part one and part two. But just the fact that they were able to pull off pretty seamlessly this just, you 70 know, characters. A bajillion characters. And all the character interactions, I thought, were pretty great and natural. Like, none felt super forced. Most of the characters had a time to shine. I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm going to go see it again this weekend. Uh, I had to go see it opening night after it's, the draft. So I worked a, worked a long-ass day and then went to watch Infinity War. Enjoyed the hell out of it. It's, <laughs> it's really impressive. And hats off yeah. to them for uh, setting the all-time box office record now. That's amazing. Uh, worldwide and domestic in uh, opening weekend. Pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, I, I saw that they had uh, busted the uh, opening re- weekend mark. By Saturday, yeah. Well, once, <laughs> I think one, and once they had the the once they had the projections coming in, they knew they were going to have it. That's just a, um, it's a month. And also, daily taps to all the great Infinity War memes going out there and <laughs> jokes on the internet. Uh, there are some there are some golden ones on Twitter. I'm not going to say anything to spoil anything yeah, for yeah, anybody, yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. Whew, there are some there are some ones that have made me laugh right. quite hard. That, it's a, it was I, I I saw it. It was a good movie. But again, uh, to your point, if you hadn't watched at least like I don't know like six of the other films, tough to follow. And that's what but, one of the guys said. What the hell's going on? But I mean, yeah. who, who walks into Infinity War not having not, not having watched seen any part I mean, of this? Jason, no, but, but Jason did. Our coworker least... Jason came with me, but because he was just like, I need to get out of 
football after the draft and go turn <laughs> my brain off. I'm like, I'm like, do you want to come? He's like, I haven't seen many of them, and he's like, but I'll come. So yeah, because I he think like you enjoyed it. it. He didn't know what the hell was happening, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not just you have to have watched you know one or two of them. <laughs> you had to well, watch like five or six of them, and even then, I was literally after the movie. I was I was back at home, spending a good hour googling stuff, googling and like reconnecting the dots. Like, what happened here? Okay, what happened there? It's like, by the way, that, this is why you guys need to get the rundown till like 10 p.m. at night. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, had to do a little research on Infinity War. Uh, that's uh, that's what happened there with me. But uh, but yeah, no overall great movie. Uh, I really enjoyed it. MG, my guy, Marcus. Green. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on the Infinity War dab. The one thing I will say hey, about, about this whole, you know, not having seen every, or you know, not not having it look like a full movie arc. Somebody made the point on Twitter is that this is also not it's not a story arc for the Avengers or anything. This is really Thanos's story arc. Oh yeah, and the Avengers are involved in it. Oh, so it was point. pretty it was pretty cool to see them give right. the movie like to the villain. Right. I mean, and this is really Thanos's movie. He was an awesome villain yes. too. Like the uh, trouble with a lot of these superhero movies and especially the Marvel universe is that the villains have been like whatever. <laughs> oh, you're like a darker version of the hero that really doesn't have a backstory and nobody cares about? Cool. Right. Yeah, the that's character what made, development on this one was nice. That's what made Black Panther so great was because Killmonger was such oh, an awesome you're right. villain. You're right. But then we got Thanos, who's bigger and badder, and they, yeah. they gave this rich backstory to him, right. and you're like, sure. Dang. So Very rich backstory. I love it. But additional dap to – I went – I saw it in uh, while I was in Dallas. Uh, I couldn't see it Thursday night because obviously the draft and stuff, and I was yes. there late. But I, I dragged my ass out of bed – Early on Friday morning for, like a, nine, for a 9 a.m. showing. What? That was sold out, by the way. <laughs> um, but I went to right. I went to an Alamo Draft House, and I've heard of, I've heard of them. You know, okay. they're they are they're actually putting one in downtown LA. And going what, to this theater, so it's you know it, it is the typical not typical, but it's one of those you know dine in sort of experiences. But it is really oh. a movie theater chain for movie lovers. Oh, okay. And I say that because their pre-show entertainment, you yeah. know, it's not like goofy trivia or like you know you're watching an interview about some tv show on tnt that you're never going to watch or okay. something like that yeah it was themed like for instance you know they, they did a lot of comic book themed stuff they made you know they did the meme about you know marvel says this is the most ambitious crossover ever alamo Drafthouse says and then they show you like you know flintstones meets the jetsons or something like that but the other part of that was great you know to your point james about sort of having to google stuff is that they did you know, little clips of the lead up to oh, Infinity War. So they awesome. would show you little clips of, That's awesome. of all the big Marvel movies and oh. how it tied into and so like, you know, the introduction you know, so Iron Man's introduction and meeting the Hulk and Thor comes in and so on and so forth. So like to get you ready, you know, because how many people are going to remember every detail oh, of every movie walking into this thing? Yeah. And so it was kind of nice to sit there and get that and you know and on top of it they had the whole luxury, the, the nice chairs and the yeah, yeah. in dining experience and stuff. So That's cool. Props to Alamo Draft House. I'm excited about the How one coming in LA. Well, I was in Dallas, yeah. so it's different than LA. Sure, sure. Uh, I bought a ticket for eight bucks. <laughs> the ticket, the ticket was eight <laughs> bucks, right? Wish everybody could have just seen James' face <laughs> right. drop at that. I look seriously. I I I, I bought the ticket. Bucks? I bought the ticket on my phone, right? And I'm like, what? I said, I was like, is this like this is like before fees, right? They're eight, gonna add eight, some eight fees, American dollars. Right? They're, gonna, they're gonna add what? some fees or something to it, right? Yeah, eight bucks. Uh, can I throw great. in one more quick dap? I just yeah. wanted to daily dap the crew and production and everything that goes into the draft at NFL media and NFL network, because like, well, there's a lot of moving pieces for that and a lot of stuff. And, you know, Mayock and DJ on the desk are just incredible the whole weekend and sure. all the people that cover it and write about it. And guys like Lance Zerline yeah. and uh, Chase Goodbread and Chad Reuter and Dan Parr that do all of our CFB stuff. Like 
A lot of people put a lot of work in the draft. And, I mean, like, it's crazy how many people watch that damn thing. Yeah. It's just people reading a name off a card. Right? I mean, I'm addicted to it. I have been for decades, but like but it's, it's one of the, it's one of the it was one of the most watched NFL drafts uh, in recent right. memory. But again, I, a lot of it was quarterbacks because well, yeah, uh, that helps. quarterbacks. Yeah. It was on 17 different channels, but like really, <laughs> pretty sure <laughs> HGTV carried it. It is basically <laughs> it is basically administrative onboarding. That is what it is. It is right. it is onboarding for a job. Like I get it. Like I, I, I look. I'm glad people watch it because it keeps all of us right. employed. Yeah. But it is there amazing. is great drama though. Like it's you know, amazing. when when the Saints traded up in round one, yeah. and everybody's like, "Oh my God, they're coming up for Lamar! This is gonna yeah, be great! Yeah. What? The, who are they gonna take? Exactly. Lamar? Mark Marcus Davenport. Davenport. Marcus Davenport. You're like, oh wait a minute, what? Why did, why did you give up next year's first for Marcus Davenport? And then you got, but then you got teams moving around and the yeah, quarterbacks yeah. falling and like, where's Lamar gonna land? And oh, the Ravens get back up and got him. That's awesome. Like, right. oh crap, the Chargers got Derwin James. Like, there's a lot of fun stuff that goes. I into think it. So, so I understand, but it's just yeah. a lot of people put a lot of work into it. So it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. I mean, it's amazing what Mike. Mayock and Daniel Jeremiah. Are Those two are incredible. Incredible. Like, it's, it's awesome. Think about, like, one, how hard it is to be on camera for that long, and then, two, to be able to have the knowledge that they have to just, like, some random guy from some random school. Oh, yeah, this was him. He did this or whatever. Yeah, like, this is the type of player he is. This is how he's going to fit in. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, the recall that those guys have, it's just I I don't I don't understand. <laughs> it's just incredible, dude. Um I will give a daily dap to uh just because I said I would. Uh this fella Edgar Martinez on Twitter. He oh, says he the, has been he that, is not the former Seattle Mariners the, the, not not that guy. No. Uh just some random dude on Twitter who asked me to give him uh, a shout out on the on the podcast because he says he's been with us. Uh, since day one uh, on the reboot and has downloaded every single podcast. Oh, appreciate you. Listens to us in the off season and appreciates our content. Um, and so, you know, what the hell? Why not? By the way, like, subscribe, rate, and review. Please. Why don't you do that for me? That'd be cool. <laughs> uh, producer, er- uh, producer Erica. Producer Christina. I'm sorry. I apologize. Producer Christina. What's up? Hit I uh, also saw Infinity Wars, Ooh. but I was one sweep. of those people who have never seen a superhero movie. Oh, you haven't seen all. any of them? No, not wow. a single one. I actually walked into it, and I'm pretty sure my boyfriend was embarrassed to be standing next to me because <laughs> I said, oh, is this the one that has Batman in it? <laughs> and he went, yes. you're kidding me, right? Oh, my God. And I went, I- I've never seen a superhero movie. <laughs> like I know great. who they all are, but I've never yeah. sat down to watch one. He goes, you're not going to know what's going on. Oh, there's you have no chance. They had no. seven some odd characters there's no, no way and i'm also one of those people who i don't like to talk through movies like i'm good. there to watch it good. Oh, okay so good. he's like trying to explain it. i'm like no no no, no, no just, I'm like, just let me yeah, like yeah yeah, yeah, like, yeah. sit in we'll, my confusion we'll debrief yeah. after yeah. the movie yeah i'm <laughs> like you can oh, talk yeah. my ear off once yeah, yeah. you get out of here but like let <laughs> yeah, me yeah. just sit in my confusion out of baby um but it was good i enjoyed it having not known any, any of, of the characters backstories it was entertaining oh, who's enough. your favorite then because you were coming in blind who did you like the most um, I thought that like you know the way that they all played off each other was funny. How mm-hmm. like I mean I had no idea there were so many. Um, so I thought the way that like right at the beginning when they were all joking like oh there's this many guys like oh they're not in this movie. Yeah. Like, I thought that was really funny. That's funny. How like because I had no idea. So I was like oh cool okay. <laughs> I was like I didn't even know there was an Ant Man and they said he wasn't even in this. So yeah, cool. Exactly. <laughs> uh, quick funny story about Infinity War since we've all been talking about it. My buddy told me and he swears this is this is true because I was like you made this up and he's like no honest to God there was a guy when he saw it opening night in full Hawkeye cosplay that when they said he's not in the movie he stood up and went that's bullshit. <laughs> 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 
That's great. I don't know if he knew that That's and great. it was playing it off the show with That's everybody. And maybe he snuck back in or whatever, but That's I was great. like, oh, poor guy. That's so great. Um, you, talk, you talk about some crowd interaction. We were sitting right next to a, a gal. Uh, she had to have been, you know, late 30s, early 40s. She came in by herself. And she was, <laughs> I mean, just laughing her ass off. It's a funny movie. On it some things funny. and cheering <laughs> on some things as well. I mean, th- th- this is not a spoiler, but uh, uh, first of all, I always hate when people say this not, but this really is. But when they w- when they go to Wakanda, um, yeah, she, that's in the trailer. Like. I know that's what I'm saying. It's in the trailer. No, no, it's in the trailer. So they go to Wakanda. She like does like a massive fist pump, like she just quit touchdown. <laughs> She's like, yes! <laughs> you want to piss me? I'm like, oh my God, like, why are you so into it? But she was there by herself. That's awesome. Was, that's awesome. And that's what I'm saying. Like, she was there by herself. Uh, I mean, I don't know if she's got kids, but she probably, I mean, I don't know, but she may have. And she was like, nah, dude, mom, mommy needs her own time. Yeah. And we got to go, and I, I got to go enjoy this. And, and she, and she enjoyed the hell out of herself. Awesome. That's great. I enjoyed it, too. I was laughing and cheering and, you know, all the I mean, all so was I, things. and I had no idea what was going on. So <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know it's a good one. We'll there say, go. I think, biggest pop probably is, though, is when Cap, when Cap first appears. Yeah. At least for my theater. Yeah, that, was that, good. that was a big pop. That was good. All right, so there you go. All right, so that's the show. We appreciate you listening for producer Christina, MG, my guy, Marcus Grant, the Wiz Kid from Wisconsin, Alex Gellar. I am James Go. We'll see you next Wednesday. Peace. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.